I discovered the new music completely by hazard, going to Darmstadt thinking it was a summer course in German. Would you accidentally went to Darmstadt? Yeah, I went to Darmstadt thinking that I wanted to study German for my baccalaureate. And I was 16 years old. You wanted to learn the German. language. Yeah, and uh, exactly. And I wrote to the DAD asking them uh, which sort of summer course do you have for German language? And they sent me a big list. And I said something related to with music. And uh, the first year they sent me to Bayreuth, but uh, not during the festival, but it was at the university. And we spoke a little bit about Wagner. And it was for foreign students studying German, etc. And the next Yeah, I said, yeah, it was a good summer course, you know, German, a little bit with uh, something with music, send me the list and they send me a big list of summer courses in Germany. So, but I thought it was only in German and I arrived, I was 16 years old and I arrived in Darmstadt. On uh, that time I was doing jazz and I discovered the music that I had never heard in my life. So you were 16 and you went to Darmstadt? Yeah. What does that do to a 16 year old's head? It, I was, yes, yeah, six, 16, exactly. It was 86. It was the year when uh, Chelsea died. Cage had a premiere. And it was very strange to me because uh, it was not only that I was 16, it was that I knew only jazz. I thought that jazz was the modern music. I went to jazz because I was improvising and composing already a lot. And I thought this is where people are creative. And I heard a music that I never heard before. And I remember I was already very good in math. And I was also shocked already on that time by this brainy music, this use of big theories. Because already on that time, I studied math and I had a lot of questions about that question between what is the role of the brain in composition? And perhaps you know or perhaps you don't know, but this is a question that I, which never lived my life and I wrote a book about that which will be published next year it was my PhD and after that I have a book which will be published next year about this discrepancy between analytical complexity and perceptive complexity in music or something what means to compose and uh, although I am quite analytical because of this background I was always repulsive to that after that I nuanced but did you start No, no, you said you you composed when you were started when you were seven. Yes. So you'd been already composing for nine years. Yeah, exactly. I, I yeah. composed this sort of very tonal, bitonal music, you know, when I was 16. When I arrived at Darmstadt, I was doing this sort of jazzy, bitonal music. Which did was you, did you, did anyone listen to your music? Yeah, sure. I met, But I guess uh, I'm, they're not going to criticize you because you're 16. Yes, they were very nice. I must stay with, uh, I, uh, I must say with me. Fernero was there, but I didn't meet him. But I, I remember I met a young French composer who was pretty known on that time. His name was Eric Tanguy, and uh, I just composed a sort of uh, duo for two violins, which are not anymore in my catalog, of course. You were 16. I was 16, yeah, yeah. and uh, he corrected that. You know, I even couldn't write really for the instrument, and I learned a lot, and I met there. I heard this sort of new music that I didn't know. I met a young composer, young, he means 40 years old, uh, but... Uh, And I told him, how can I study that? And he said, you have to do écriture. Écriture in French means harmony and counterpoint. And, but écriture means writing. Uh, and I said, but I can write music. 
and said, no, harmony and counterpoint. And after that, orchestration, you can uh, study with me. And then uh, started this big time between 16 and let's say 24, where I uh, did a lot of summer courses. I still studied science. I did a master in science. I started a PhD in science later. And I did a lot of summer courses and I studied in these small regional conservatories in France. Now I teach in a lot of summer courses. This summer I will be the professor at uh, Royaumont. And, uh, I was, but, uh, American do that. You and Oscar. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I will, um, uh, Richard Barrett had to do the professor and Richard Kant. So I will replace him. I taught four years long at American Conservatory in uh, Fontainebleau. Uh, okay. so I know this place very well. Perhaps the difference between a uh, American summer course and a uh, European summer course. I taught, you know, in Ovila, uh, uh, in FU, so many American summer courses. They go to Europe, but they stay within an American circle. Because yeah. actually the most important thing for a summer course is not the professor, is your colleagues. Yeah. And I know that now, when I travel to any country, I always know someone a composer of my age, because I met so many people. All my Royaumont, I, I, I studied at Royaumont in 96. I am still in contact with everybody, almost everybody going there. You know, someone in Slovenia, etc. And you, are they you, all in music? Did they all yes, basically all become continue. Uh, successful? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Royal Montpartrie because it's a good summer course. So the, it's a good selection. Generally, not all, but uh, but it's great, you know, because you create an international community of composers. And I think really in terms of generation, a young composer doesn't compose the same thing like someone 20 years older. So... It's very important to meet other people of your generation who think in a different way. And this is why also Colombia was a great environment in terms of, uh, I taught there. It was very international and you had a lot of stimulations and people like Alex Minchek, you know, they came from Manhattan School of Music or, and, or Eric Wubels or Kate Sopper. They, they went to Colombia and they met people like Oscar Bianchi or uh, other European people being there with another background. And it was a big scene of stimulation, not because of the professors, but because of the discussions with the young composers. You know, it's weird. I'm like, I completely agree with that, but I kind of brought this up to all of the other, like the what ink people that I interviewed and also the other Columbia people that I inter yeah. interviewed. It's incredibly diverse and eclectic, but it doesn't have that reputation. It's like every, everybody's like, oh, it's this French... Yeah, you know, sure. It's this French, but what? It, but I don't, but why, you know, why, does it have, why does it have that reputation? I think you know, America. I understand more and more. America, America, is a big continent, and uh, you can't generalize. And uh, uh, between Texas and New York, you have nothing to in common. And in the same way, you have two sort of Americans. You have the Americans who travel a lot, and the Americans who are terribly closed. And the scene in composition is exactly the same. You have some, I, I, I taught, I, I gave master classes in many, many universities in America. Pittsburgh, Harvard, Berkeley. I taught at Pittsburgh for one month. And Manhattan School of Music, Juilliard, etc. Look, look, Manhattan School of yeah. Music, when Raiko came there, it just opens the, the scene. When uh, Dave Brubeck met Darius Millo, it was Darius Millo who showed him the 5-4 principles as the Akchak rhythm we say. So it's very important to be confronted to. And you have always in every country, also in France and Germany, a scene which says, 
I want to stay with my French music, with my American music, with my, and those people are typically German or typically when, when you have a French professor coming to Germany or a Swiss professor coming to Germany, you have always some German saying, this is a, uh, the Swiss scene. And this is what happens with Colombia. But I must say at Colombia, I was amazed by this confrontation. It means if you look at the style by, uh, Uh, these waiting people, you know, it's a mix of Peter Blinger, Beat Fuhrer, minimalist music. They do the real American music today. Because... Oh, really? You think so? You I, think, I think... That's a big claim to make, though. It's a big claim. I, I will explain that okay. in another way. When people say, I do American music, you know, this sort of American music. For me, it's not at all an American music. It sounds like a sort Just of... Just by simply making the claim... Or, exactly. Or, or, or by the making type of people who make that claim. both. Yeah. Generally, you folklorize yourself, and generally, when you folklorize yourself, you do a sort of caricature of something which was done already. It's an orchestral music. It sounds like Elgar or Brahms today, etc. With the small caricatures. Exactly the same way. When you have people who say, "I do French music. It's a sort of impressionist music. A sort of uh, nice music." Of course, it will never be the French music of today. What? Uh, Debussy did is on the time when Aubert, Meyerbeer, etc. thought they were doing French music. He went to Bayreuth and he studied Wagner's music or Berlioz went to study Beethoven music and all those great composers who create the scene of their country generally are people who traveled and create something because they discovered something somewhere else and they fuse in an intelligent way something to make something new. And in a way, uh, this sort of repetitive music using sort of Beat Fuhrer, Peter Ablinger, etc. Since at least sounds very particular, very new. And in a way, we will see if it will be the only American way, but it is something which I discovered there. In this way, for me, it's an American music. When I hear people doing American music, it doesn't sound typically from there from you understand what, what, what I mean yeah 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 yeah, yeah. It, it's just interesting that you say that I, th I think there's a principle at play though that it's if you were in that world that you were just that you described as as closed I think it seems so similar to you because you're aesthetically far away from it but I think within that scene I think it's fair for people to make the claim that they see much, much bigger differentiations between what they're doing with one another than someone who does not have a lot of exposure and has not been around those people so much. And I would almost make the same claim for you describing another world that's saying, it's amazing it's a combination of this and this and the possibility of variations are really big between one another. I think probably for those people who you think this, who you think see it as the same if they're looking at, at it from a distance it's all very very self similar yeah. to yeah. them people make the same claim i'm guilty of making the same claim to ear cam music yeah. i brought this up with a composer who studied at ear cam mm -hmm. and he actually brought up this principle that i'm like for me it's a little bit of a dangerous institution because people go in there and they emerge with a very very great set of skills mm -hmm like real skills too, like how to work computer music, how to analyze something. But it's all kind of funnels them towards the same aesthetic thing for me because yeah. I'm aesthetically yeah. far away from it. Yeah. The person made the argument 
it doesn't certainly doesn't sound that way to the people in that yeah. group. It's there are vast, vast differences between composer yeah. and composer. No, but I agree with you. In actually, every institution is dangerous. Every institution fetishizes the person. It's why the person has to go from one institution to another one. I find also that if people say, I am from the Columbia School, or when people come from IACAM, there is danger of folklorizing yourself. And there is a certain sound from IACAM. And people studying at Paris Conservatory have a certain sound. It's why it's important to travel, to be independent and to be yourself, not part of an institution, but to take what you need to take from that institution and to leave this institution. And if you look at the history, I think all the great people who found their own style were always at the beginning this mix of this sort of encounterment. They met things. Schutz went to study with Frescobaldi. Jobim, the bossa nova. You know, the bossa nova was not a Brazilian. In fact. Yeah. The guy met this German professor who initiated him to Schoenberg. It was not a good uh, uh, example for Jobim, but after that, to the harmony of Debussy. And this is what you have in the bossa nova with this ninth and these great modulations. Uh, once again, this example of Dev, Dev Brubeck discovering true Mio, this Turkish uh, rhythm 5-8 and 7-8, or John Coltrane listening to uh, Stravinsky, etc. So you need, when you are young, this sort of stimulation. After that, of course, you will always have composers who compose with whole tone scales their entire life, what was the case at the beginning of the 20th century. You know, yeah. people continuing Debussy and thinking, I do French music, but the French history forgot them. Yeah. Uh, people going to IRCAM and doing just uh, Max MSP uh, patches with ring modulation with the same sound and being happy because they, they are in That's the tradition. You were able to describe exactly what everybody does. Exactly. Within, because like, the program with ring modulation. Ring modulation with this sound and they say, I am important because bullets were there, so I'm there. You know, this sort of mode effect still continue going, people going to downtown music, people going to Columbia because and doing spectral music because Murai is there. Those people are not interesting. What interests me is people who go there because they have already a strong personality. They look for something and they react with someone or against someone but they resolve some questions. Do you think there's enough cross-pollination happening? Do you know what I mean by that? Uh, well, Pro like, like exactly the act that you described of people traveling a lot and doing a lot of exchanges. And is the scene now, or the different scenes, I should say, mostly people just kind of like finding an institution and latching onto yeah. it and staying there and doing whatever they can to be accepted there yeah. or do you think it's mostly people just like bouncing around and taking in different types of information no I think the possibilities exist much more than before you know when uh, Bach went to meet Buxtehude it was a long travel for him today you take a flight and it's so easy and you have internet there no, or, people... you, or you click on YouTube if you yeah exactly to you, yeah. you click to on YouTube but people are lazy the biggest problem of young composers like uh, many people I would love to write a book on laziness in music because it's it's a long topic and big topic but people are lazy people are comfortable people are scared I have my style I continue my style this is also I think a risk in every country with a different risk uh, this laziness for example in Europe you will stay brainy with this sort of reference of intellectual because 
you are lazy. You, you, you want to, to be adopted by a certain scene. In America, this is something different. Sometimes you have great, great composers or, or visual artists who find something, but they repeat themselves because you have to survive and you have to find the scene. So the sociology. You have to brand yourself in the States. Exactly. Right? Yeah, yeah. So the sociology of laziness is different from one country to another one. In France, it has to be well orchestrated. In Germany, it has to be quite expressionist, etc. It's interesting to study this sociology of laziness. So very few people have to scratch. I love that term, sociology of laziness. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and very few people have this courage to think, okay, I went seven years in this thing. Now I have to restart my life from the beginning. And I have to travel, travel geographically or travel by myself. I have to change my life. But that it's is a daunting good. task and also maybe something that's impossible if you don't have the money to do that, if you have like a, a kid. Yeah, I have. Yeah. It, it, I'm using it's a very difficult, you know. It's, it's a difficult yeah. thing. I like have. It, it can be more than sociologically lazy. It can also be yeah, but other pressures. Wh that when I say that, it's also a daily uh, task. That, that, you know, I studied with Griset, and for that, Griset was the best professor I have never had. He was not at all a professor of spectral music. He never showed uh, any spectral technique and uh, even uh, his composition, uh, own compositions. But he was very clear on one thing. Perhaps compared to Murai, he was really different from Murai. Every work has to be different. Every work has to be courageous and something new. When people started to create the concept of spectral music, it was 84, Hugues Dufour uh, created this concept for journalists. Hugues Dufour met Marvin Minsky, the brain specialist who showed them a acousmograph. And already they knew that they were working on spectrum continuity. They didn't know exactly about what. And he showed him a spectrogram. And Dufour said, this is exactly what we do, this sort of continuous sound going there, etc. And he took this term for journalists, for, for marketing purposes, and you had two different co uh, configurations. Some composers said, okay, I accept that, it's true, I still use, I already use spectral analysis to compose. What did Griset? He said, I don't like caricature, I don't like to, to stay where I am. So, I will compose a piece for percussion. And he composed Tempus Ex Machina. Yeah, yeah. When uh, he died, I was still his students. And uh, he, it was one of the best uh, composition lessons I had. Uh, just before, you know, he, he had this sort of first spectral style, uh, Les Espaces Acoustiques. After that big revolution, he composed Vortex Temporum, something more rhythmical, like Ligeti, who changed of style, but always moving further. And when he died, we knew that he... He had written this uh, Quatre Champs pour Franchir le Sol, but we didn't know how it sounded. And we all expected something like Vortex. And we went to the premiere in London, and it was a terrible lesson for us from the professor who just died, having his finger pointing on us and saying, never stay where you are. Even with my age, he was 56, I do a new style. It was very courageous, and it was very criticized by many people who said, uh, it doesn't sound like what we like, etc. It's a really famous piece now. It's a very famous piece. I mean, not, on, not only because it's the last thing he did, no. but it really is. I mean, it's really it's, the qualities there. And it's yeah. completely different. And it was yeah. such a lesson. And during the lessons, he was always like that. He was always saying, compose every day, but take your time, be shy, 
compose one piece every year, every two years, where the way he did, because it has to be the best of yourself. Don't produce. He said many people do productions, do composition, and that is what I. That's a difficult lifestyle to have, isn't it? He says, take your time producing. Yeah. But uh, unless you are have another job besides composing, which obviously most composers yeah. do, then that's very difficult. And if you want to get your name out there, then I probably sound like a total stereotype right now. But like, if you want to get your name out there, then there's two methods. There's quality, and then there's quantity and hopefully quality. Yeah. But not always, maybe not always consistent quality. So that's a different like it's, it's weird that he was he was teaching that lesson. Yeah, it's yeah. A, it's a very long uh, what you and say. Then you, and then you move to a country. Yeah, but that w- doesn't that doesn't really uh, you know you know it, it's, it's difficult to have that lifestyle unless you're a professor. Sure, but yeah. uh, you speak to someone who I am a professor, and not only that I refuse to leave for my composition for that reason, but also I am known as a composer with with this sort of message. It means it can be a long discussion, but. I always say to my students exactly the same thing. Take your time, etc. Of course, when you are young, when you want to be exposed very quickly to festivals, etc., you compose a lot. But that's... Is that what you did when you were younger, when you were no, traveling with no. these festivals? You pr- On contrary, I, I composed even slower than today. I try to find my style because I wanted... You know, I, I was an amateur. But, I, there's, but there's also kind of two ways to find your style, right? I mean, you could... Um, there's the being very, very careful way of finding your style. But that's still... Even if you're even if you're being very, very careful, it's always kind of... Before it happens, it's theoretical. Before the performance exists, it's theoretical. Yeah. So you could be extremely careful and be completely off yeah. about one thing. And that's great because you learned a lesson... But then it took you however, you know, eight months, nine months of the piece writing for you to learn that one lesson. But if you were just kind of constantly producing and throwing and throwing stuff out there, yeah. that's kind of another way to get good because it's reality telling you what's working and what's sure. not and what's You, not you have to be exposed. It's not a question of being... But you have to be exposed to yourself, yeah, which yeah. doesn't happen unless exactly. you have performances. It means... The question is not to be too long or too short. It's to give you the best of yourself, particularly when you are young, and to go slowly and to put in question everything. If you don't do that, you stay in the production, you do a sort of caricature music, which is not yourself. You don't discover who you are because it's a long path to discover your own. It's like a therapy huh, to compose. It's, it's a long path. Every piece has to be something a very profound, very... Uh, in question, and you have to resolve slowly everything so that you find your own language, your, your own technique. Ligeti at the beginning was very slow and found his style through different techniques. I studied with Lachanman, and Lachanman is very strong also on that point. Lachanman has a beautiful sentence. He says, never compose a piece for viola or a piece for cello, like everybody, and where you think, oh, I will compose a second piece for cello. But think it will be my only piece for viola. And he uses this beautiful word. He says, it will be my viola, viola in my life from Feldman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And this is that, build your instrument. For me, this is the only possibility to find yourself. And when you look at the sociology of the composition, many old composers told me, and it is true, 
The most difficult is not to be known when you are young. The most difficult as a composer is to continue to compose after, let's say, 35 years old, 40 years old. When you are younger than that, you are in a production. Many festivals will be interested in you because you are a hope. Particularly if you do this sort of contemporary music, you know, it sounds like something we know. That is easy. But as long as you didn't find something which is singular, at least two, three pieces which are singular, as long as you didn't find something particular, you will be played a lot, perhaps, if you are in this production logic. But after 35 or 40 years old, people will just leave you because will come new young composers, and the only which will survive, the only which will be continued to be played, are those who have something to say. And suddenly you have a big washing where only strong people like Lachanman, Sherino, Beat Fuhr, etc. remain. Some other people true uh, but they are not happy also is because that, is that what you think is that what you think happens though is yeah I, I, I always hmm, that's interesting because I, I know what you're talking about where there's this process of composers reaching a certain age and disappearing like but popping you know becoming very popular they're at every festival you see them and then all of a sudden they go away hmm. and for me that was I almost thought of it as like just the machinery kind of like taking a composer, putting them through this process, and then once the process is done, they're like, okay, people are losing interest, whatever, just toss them out, we'll find another composer. But what you're saying is actually something that if you're young, you're marketable. Yeah. Like, and I don't mean that in the, like, this will bring tickets, but people will... You are still hope. Yeah, yeah. People can believe in you even if you didn't find yourself. Yeah, and even the idea of somebody sitting down as a member of the public and looking that the composer is young that's also part of the appeal yeah. of listening to the piece exactly oh this is a this is a hope for them yeah what you're saying is that at the age of like f- around 35 or 40 yeah that's like that's what you have you you have up till that point to, to find, find something singular yeah. Yeah. and if you don't and if you're just really good at doing any something that everybody else does then you're done. No one's going to be inter- because you're yeah. not interesting anymore. Yeah. Because you're not young anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Of course, you have still this sort of festival composers who still continue through friendship or they have some uh, relationship, etc. So they continue. But for the general public, for people who like new music, they continue to listen to Sherino, etc. But not to someone who is doing just a sort of anonymous music. On another word, what I say is that you have the composers who are where the name is more known than the music, and you have the composers where the music is more known than the name. When the name is more known than the music, it means it's sort of very popular composers, you know. That uh, I understand, I understand, yeah. yeah. You continue, you continue, it's a mode. But the mode goes. And there is a certain point where you have people who remain because this piece is interesting, this piece is interesting, People will replay your music even if they don't know you. They like the piece. You know, as a professor, I, I, I see something very interesting also. Patriot Columbia, it means being in America far from Europe or being in Germany. With, uh, you will understand what I mean. What interests me is always which score the young composers will open to study that. It means whether they have an analysis exam, etc. Which score is egoistically interesting for young composers. And here, you can do a repertoire of 
which music can be interesting for a composer. It has nothing to do with festivals. It has nothing to do with, uh, but it is about the music which continues to, to make them uh, curious. And when I was in America, it was interesting to see which European composers interested the American composers because here you are far from the sociology. It's not automatically uh, the most played people in the festivals, but this is the people who have something to say. How long do you think it takes for a composer to develop? I'm, I'm actually really interested in that. N nobody ever framed that before, and I think it does make sense, like the timeline of you have till a certain age and then you're no longer interesting because you're not young anymore. Yeah. So it's just who you are, not what your potential could be. Yeah. Do you think that correlates, that type of time running out correlates well with the way a composer develops? Should you have a unique vision by the age of 35, 40? Or does it sometimes take longer than that? And because it takes longer the person may run out of opportunities before they develop their idea fully. I think it's uh, first a question of ethic of life. It means you have people who stay young their entire life, who find themselves perhaps in a quite old age. If you take Wagner, Janacek, Morton Feldman, the last pieces of Morton Feldman are great for Samuel Beckett. It's there. So he continued to develop himself. You have other composers who are young enough to change a lot and always to stay young. Ligeti, uh, Griset, he died uh, quite young, but uh, Lachenmann, they are young in, in head. There is one point which for me is important to keep in mind, is if you are not crazy when you are young, you won't be crazy when you will be old. You will have a child, you will be even more bourgeois and bourgeois, and even your brain, you know, I studied math, as I told you, And you have heard about the field medals. This is like the Nobel Prize for math. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Both my, I, I, I live with two theoretical physicists. Okay. So, yeah. And as you know, you can't have the field medals when you are older than 35 years old. You can't. It's a rule. You can only have the field medals when you are younger than 35. What's crazy is that develop, but development for mathematicians, it's basically, And this is, like I said, my, my roommates tell me this, but you're kind of done at the age of 32, exactly. 33, mentally. Exactly. For some reason, the, the brain... Creativity yeah, the creativity doesn't yeah, work. Yeah. And I, when I studied math, you know, math is so creative and it's so not brainy. You know, the, I don't know what your mates said, but for example, um, math has really something to do with inspiration. When you are blocked in math, it's great because you know you will resolve that later, but the best way is to go to sleep. Because your brain works in a non-logical way. And in the morning, you find that it's, it's like that. And so creativity has something to do, of course, with being you. You can be creative later. Once again, uh, Janacek, Wagner, uh, were always creative. When you meet Lachman, he's still a young guy going to you. I met him uh, three weeks ago and always, ah, Fabian Hauer. He's shy. He's curious. He's, but, It's difficult, but at least there is this rule that I give to my students. If you are not crazy when you are young, you will never be crazy. And what I see by many young composers, sorry, I speak like a professor, but uh, today they are lazy in the way of Facebook. It means they just express themselves without giving the best of themselves, you know, just 
a piece of music has to be the best of yourself. And also, sometimes I'm scared how they are bourgeois and conservative and they do this sort of conservative music. Oh, I do a piece for ensemble. I do a piece for orchestra, for string quartet. But why? Uh, be crazy. If you are not crazy now, rebel against your professor. I tell them always as a professor, if you are not crazy today, If you don't do something which doesn't mean music for older people, you won't be that uh, today. You have to do non-music, nicht music. This is Lachman who says always that. Do something which is not automatically music, but do something which is crazy, which is at least for you crazy. Okay, so what's crazy for you? What like give me give me an example of a piece of music that you wrote that wasn't just a string quartet, that wasn't just an orchestral piece. Give me. I never wrote a string quartet and I never. Okay, I'm mean, just giving, yeah. just throwing stuff so, out there, but. I, I, it will be unmodest to say that I am the crazy guy. It's very important that other people judge myself and not myself. I have not to say. But you will have to but, have your own opinions on what at you least, do. At least, every time I write a piece, I try to go on the border of what I can do. You spoke about an orchestral piece. The last orchestral piece that I wrote, it was a commission for an orchestral piece. I ask myself first, what means to write today with an orchestra? What means this geography of strings in front? And, and I'm really for the, what is called the deconstruction in the time of Derrida. It means going back to the history. You know, it's not a fact. It's not an objective fact. The orchestra, it has a history and it was a, a cultural uh, weight. And all those strings, you know, can't play something rhythmical. Uh, Vares hated the orchestra and it was created in 16. 164 by a pure hazard by Lully with a Louis XIV Y, one group of violin, a second group of violin. And I thought and I looked and I looked what other cultures did. And I thought and I made a piece where the strings are in the back, the winds are in the front. The, I uh, interrogated the, the, the conductor. Of course, it's difficult to verbalize all what I did because composition is not How about does that work. work, but there's an acoustic reality. Yeah, of course. Right? Okay, so that's why the strings are... Exactly. So that's why there's a lot of them in, in front. Exactly, and there is a reason for that. For that. There is a reason for that. It's a question of balance. Of course, you don't have to provocate. You don't have, as a composer, just to do something because you have to be different. You have to do that with reasons. I studied Gagaku music, where in Gagaku... The percussion sign front and the sustains sounds are in the back for a certain reason because it's very rhythmical and they want a shadow of the sound and they don't want the sustained sound to cover the percussions and the koto, uh, the, the koto and uh, after that you have the ichiriki, etc. So in the Western orchestra, there is a reason of this strings in the front of those two groups because the strings are balanced with the winds because the strings have the main role because this romantic uh, role so when you want something different either you don't write for strings like Varese even Stravinsky in Right of the Spring if you look carefully the strings have a very, very tiny role because he needs something pushy etc or you simply put that in the back so it was a crazy project And my last uh, craziness was that uh, it was composed uh, six years ago. And uh, when I regret this piece, I threw away. For example, this orchestral piece, which took me one year and a half, I decided yesterday to move it away from my catalog. Did it just not work acoustically? Because I didn't the strings go, are in the back? No, no, I no, mean, no. The project was great. There are wonderful parts. Uh, the acoustic was great. The project was really great and it was just there were some realizations, some parts which was not on other parameters great, 
rhythmically, musically, etc. And I think, okay, I didn't think everything right. And I moved that from my catalog. I had this courage. But you said you should be able to be proud of it. Yeah. If you were pushing yourself, yeah. that you'd be okay with it. Is it possible to be proud of it and okay with it and still move it away from your catalog? That's saying that I don't want to put it out there because I'm not happy yeah. with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do that because I am proud of most of my other pieces. And this one, it took me a lot of time. The project was very strong, but because perhaps the project was so strong, I didn't look carefully on other aspects of the piece and I didn't go until the end of what I could have done. Okay, but now I want to throw a scenario at you of how another way for that to develop is that for the, I don't know, year and a half that you spent on that orchestral piece, I don't know if you were doing things in between aside from teaching other compositions, just yeah. that, right? No, and I thought I was a, it was yeah, my yeah. first year at Columbia but, and perhaps... Yeah, uh, but com compositionally, that was the only thing you worked on. So you're saying you have to take time and be careful, but what if you just worked... You kind of knew what the idea was, but in that period of time, you had, instead of one orchestral commission, you had four. You had this one idea, and then you had four times the amount of exposure to the reality mm. of what's happening. I almost feel like I, that's the argument I want to make, is that that's another way to actually refine your ideas. Yeah. Now, it's it's a little bit of a shame because you really run the risk of overexposure lots of pieces that are out there that are not carefully done. But I think the result can be every once in a while you have a piece that's like amazing and successful because of all the trial and error mm, sure. pieces. And I think that's another way to develop. So I agree with you. Like, but that, that that's almost like a way of doing it where you can still be almost a full-time composer because you have a lot of yeah, commissions coming in. It's why perhaps you have to, I, I don't regret to have done that. And uh, uh, there are better pieces and less good pieces. And also you need someone to have, uh, you need sometimes to, a piece can be a work for next piece. I completely agree with you. Some composers like Rim uses some pieces as a sketch for the next piece. I think he's a good example of that. Exactly. Yeah, and I think actually it's a good way of thinking it of this is a sketch for the next, this piece is a sketch for the next piece. Exactly. Yeah. So now I do the same thing, just I keep my sketches as a sketches. There are a difference between my own work on my table. I work every day and uh, I learn and some are better results than others. But what do you and do what I, I, I give to the public. After a certain point, I have to give the best of myself to the public. I refuse to give something where, the, you know, people don't have so much time and there are so much great music. So when I find something was not the best, you know, I just remove that so that I keep what I find better. You're saying I have sketches. What do you do with those sketches? For for me, there's this, there's an important relationship between the composer and what's actually acoustic, the actual acoustic reality. Yeah. And you can't do that without it actually coming into fruition. So you can either kind of go for this model where you're workshopping. Yeah. So you get players together and you have them read through the sketches and it's done in a private space with no public. So if it's a failure, then there's not a group of people going, oh my God, that yeah. was, it was a waste of time. No. You know? In my, in or, my case, you know, I, I am a slow composer and I receive more commission than what I can do. I am happy for that. I'm lucky. Many people want 
me to write for them. I have still people writing Florian Hulcher, one of the best pianists in Germany. He's still waiting for seven years now, his piece, etc. So I need to find the ID. When I, I do sketches, it's there. It will exist one day. It will be realized one day. Just I have to put it. It's not only a question of sketches. It's a question of music, of course, I use for my piece. It's there. When every time I find something I'm happy, I use it. But at the end, the results, the general result, you know, the, the harmony, the project itself, the crazy ideas, the realizations, the orchestrations, everything has to be at least the best what I could do. And then I give the score to the to the person. Yeah. This is only that what I, what I say, and it is it is played. Then. Thank you. 
Thank you. 
I have a history. It means I compose since I'm seven years old and I was long time amateur and I want to stay with this amateur thinking. It means doing my own garden first. So yeah. it means I don't care. What I see so much, perhaps people like that, is I want to be free from those institutionalized sociology. It means I see however people who accept every commission because ah, I have to be present. I have to be present in the market. Perhaps they are right. Perhaps they are right that today this is a way to do the buzz, like on Facebook. I'm not on Facebook, but to do the buzz. It means always to be present. I don't think this is a, the right long-term strategy. I, I think first for yourself, first to so that when you are a little bit older, you don't regret what you did before. I come from the Grise school. When you, you know when Grise died, he had no CD. Where Murai or other people had a lot of CDs. He had no recording and he's now respected. I come from that school. I come from the duty school, Boulez school, you know, very, very slow. But I'm happy at least with what I do. I come from the matter milieu. I, I want to stay modest and I want to propose the best of my piece. I come from the Lachaman school. I come from, you know, every piece, Ligeti, uh, those pieces are great. So we have to, I am not sure that people running after this sort of celebrity are really doing serious music because today you have a sort of mix i think the problem that we have today is that you had this great contemporary music in the 60s where people were really crazy and did crazy things and today people confound you say confound in english two yeah. things mix two things yeah you have one scene which is a sort of folklorization of this composition music you know it's much easier today to be a composer and you have all those festivals and people want to survive like you try to survive in the pop music you you you, you have producers you you need to be known etc you have another scene which is a scene of the experimental music the scene which continues to put in question the music not so many people listen to that music but so the contemporary music scene is a mix of both you have both people on that stage. You have people, you have John Adams and you have crazy people in even America, uh, uh, like, uh, I don't know, uh, John Luther Adams. You have John Adams okay, and yeah. John Luther Adams, okay. if you want. Huh? And it has the same name. It has the same sociology. You have uh, Carol Abacolt and you have uh, Rim. Huh? You have uh, uh, Peter Blinger. And you... But who is the most happy? Everyone has his uh, solution. Some people want to survive, I understand, uh, I am professor, I am lucky, uh, other people need to earn money with the composition, but for me, automatically you go to a production logic and it can be dangerous, but why not? Some people need to be famous, some people, uh, etc. I come from a particular background, history, I studied math, I was an amateur in music, uh, I, I have this sort of admiration for those composers, you know who? Are cowboys, and I love America for that, this sort of America has very, very bad aspects in, in terms of uh, postmodernity and people selling themselves. And suddenly you have this sort of cowboys, independent people, very independent. They don't care about what other people think about that. And they continue their, their way and they do their own thing. And I love those people. But it's got to be really kind of uh, frustrating to see you need a how the reward system, you know, how people get rewarded in that environment to not take part in it. You know, it's difficult. It's you know, it's it's to be uh, left out. It must exactly. feel like you're. It exactly. really must feel like you're left out, and also that like the world and opportunities and yeah. everything are just passing by because you are not able to or 
just don't want to partake in that particular yeah. side of the culture. But you, you know? know, it's a, it's a political uh, discussion that we have today, and uh, it's very important. My wife is in the academic field, and I know this this field very well. It's even worse than our milieu. It means what does she do again? I don't, I don't she's in in uh, Germanic studies. So, but I know very well this sort of milieu where officially you ask people to think, to have new ideas, to be philosophers, etc. And you have this huge milieu of people doing all the same thing, being scared of being original or uh, at Columbia University, all those people doing the same studies, you know, studying uh, uh, gender study in a way which is okay. This is a political discussion about what means today to be independent and free and what means happiness. In the generation of my parents, the generation of Crise, or in the generation of Boulez, it's not a hazard. People were crazy because they could do be that. It was 68. They were 20 years old when it was 68, or they were 20 years old when it was 45. So they had the world to do, and they knew that the way to change the, the world is to be crazy. Today it's difficult because we have to survive. We, we, we have this big pressure of this sort of conformity, you know, um, this Facebook and Twitter thing where you have to be there with the quantity, as you say, and not the quality. Chomsky already uh, was very clever about that aspect. In the 70s, he, he made the theory of uh, that quantity against quality. And in myself, I don't want to be a holy person or a crazy or a cowboy. And I don't know if I'm, and I'm quite, you know, happy. I'm Professor Tsar. It's just a very egoistic question of being happy. For me, I know from the history, from, from my family who suffered uh, during the Second World War, etc. Being happy is to be free. And you have to be free in mind. If you are not free, I worked in a bank. I loved my job in the bank, but I know how it works. You worked at a bank? Yeah, of course. I did research with mathematics. I was in the research uh, department of a big French bank uh, after my mathematics studies. And I was, I earned so much money I have never earned. I was 26. And in one summer, I left the bank to go to study music. And one year later, I was at the Paris Concert Hall, but without knowing... How old were you when you were working at this bank? I was, uh, so it was between 90, it was, I, uh, when I not, uh, I gave my notice from the bank, I was 25, I think. Uh, I worked two years in this bank. Oh my God. I had my master and I, it was, you know, it was one of the biggest bank, 40,000 player. And I was in the research department where we were only 10 people. So it was wonderfully interesting. It was like working at the IMF, you know, we were in the center. I was Mr. Africa and Asia because I was already very left-wing and doing all the forecasts for the entire bank about uh, Africa as a mathematical model, etc. It was a great job, but I couldn't compose anymore. I tried, I, I didn't, I took a leave of one year to go to the music. Uh, my, the reason why I went to music, I can explain that. It's not about that uh, I wanted to leave the bank. It's more that I was meeting the bank, many people saying, oh, I could have been a good sporty, uh, sportman. And I didn't want to be bitter later. And I thought, okay, I don't, I compose since I'm seven years old, but I don't know my niveau. So I will just take one year off and they gave me one year off and I had to come back just to try the music, to see that how bad I am and to come back. And it went very, very quickly. It means I went to the music. It was uh, so 90, uh, summer 94. 
in March, I was accepted at Paris Conservatory and I said, oh, uh, so it's a big one, so it's a national one. I have to continue three years long. What can I do? So I will start a PhD in music so that I could have a scholarship to, to finance my, my, my study. You know, I, I was student again. Uh, uh, it was hard sociologically. You know, I was in a class. With, Were you younger than everybody else? Were you I was, a- no, at Paris Conservatory, I was a little bit older, but it was okay. But you know, when I, I gave my notice from the bank, I started from nothing because I never studied in a conservatory. So I was in a, what is called a regional conservatory. And I was 25 with big responsibilities behind me. And I was with 14 years old, uh, students and particularly the professor calling me and saying, Fabian, come here. This world, you have to line up in green and this world in red. And because I want that. And I thought, my God, I left the bank to be in a classroom with 14 years old guys asking me to put this word in green and oh, man, you know, that's painful huh that was hard a hard time so you were playing you were playing uh, catch up you know what i mean when i say that like you were having to uh you were behind in your skills and your in, in i, I worked like crazy like crazy i remember working like crazy uh, i was in three different conservatories one i i studied orchestration the other one harmony like crazy uh, music analysis like crazy etc to prepare a paris conservatory and, uh, and i even didn't know my love niveau it means i uh, in september i i gave my notice from the bank and i did all this competition to know already in which level i would enter and i worked like crazy 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 and after that, in March, I was accepted to Paris Conservatory and it was, okay, so it means at least I have to continue three years long to study composition, not to be a composer, but to to be myself because it's my fun. I compose since I'm seven years old and I had to finance that. So I did my, uh, because I, the only thing I had was my master in economics. So I could do a PhD in music. I had this equivalence. I could have a scholarship. And I continue after that. I worked at your camp just to feed myself, etc. What do, what do people think when you're? I'm I'm always I'm always interested about the kind of social like reactions you get from your immediate family and friends when you're like, I'm leaving the bank. I'm gonna be a composer. What, what, what were people like? What are you doing? Don't do that. Mm. Like you have no future. You know, you I I was already in the bank, so I was financially independent. Of course, my, my family never understood already that I composed since I'm seven years old. So they were out the question. But actually, the question was not only my entourage. I didn't care at all. Still now, I don't care about how people judge my music. My good friends, yes. But uh, when people say, oh, your music is... No, uh, it was a fight about myself. Because I came from these very good studies, you know, like doing Harvard in America. I studied math and I had this big position, etc. And I had to think, okay, even if, you know, I was traveling in first class uh, on that year, it's a long story, but something, Ivory Coast was the first country who refused to pay his debt. It's, uh, I do that in a short way. And generally when something happens like that, the, a bank leads other banks to negotiate. And normally it's an American bank when it's South America or it's a German bank when it's East American. For the first time, it was an African country. So it was a French bank. It was a BNP where I was. And I was in charge of going to Africa to speak with the finance minister and to do all his forecasts. I was 26 years old. Why did they choose you for that? Because it was a BNP. It was a, the French bank was the bank who had the most uh, money in that thing. So the, the BNP had to lead all the consortium of all the bank in the world. And the director of the BNP was doing that, but they choose who was the economist in charge of the forecast 
of Africa. Oh, I see. To, were... to, to study that, it was me alone. So it was, just you, it was just simply because you were the guy that did the research. They Exactly. Yeah. I was Mr. Africa and South Asia, China, etc., in the BNP alone. And my colleague was doing all uh, uh, South America and East Germany. And I have five people doing America, five people doing Germany, but we were alone because it was... And one year later, I was just, you know, with 14 years old people lining up uh, words in green and in red. It was hard. So it was more a fight about myself, about more sort of comfort. Uh, but, and, but it is the same even today. Today, even sometimes I think, okay, perhaps I will go to, to Africa. I went to Africa to study pygmies music and to stay with them. Or It's important to have every seven years old to, to change your life. So that you stay young. Is that the way? Is that the way you are, though? Do you feel like you're going to eventually do that again? Yeah. It's so we discussed yeah. yesterday that with my wife. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> after but, uh, after I, I I decided to to stop to to throw away uh, to stop my correction after one month of work, we have the uh, good friend recently. She's a great academics, and she just moved to Seattle, and she became a hairdresser. I love that. I will stay, I think, in music for now, not because of my success or something like that. I have quite a, uh, it works for me. I will stay as long as I keep enthusiasm. I need to be young. I need to learn. I learn so much f from my new students. I have to build something, you know, also. It's really hard to change gears like that, though. And it's, that's, that's crazy that you say that to me because I look at you as like you're, I interview a lot of not only younger people, but also I try and get everybody. But you're actually you're pretty far on your career. You have like a lot of people asking you to do things. You have a pretty high profile at these like Maris music concerts or other you mm -hmm. know other festivals. Mm -hmm. And normally, when I talk to people who are in that position, it's like this is what I do, and they've really hunkered down. But you're you're seriously you're like yeah for now. If I get bored, I'll stop doing it. Exactly yeah. because you would just give up all that work and because you know, be, be, I, you know, I don't because you don't I don't compose more. I don't live to to be known. I live to be not bored. Uh, this is my my recipe in life, and you know already the way to go to that small. Can you imagine the reaction in my my environment? I was at Columbia. Everybody knows Columbia University in Europe, and I go to this. 80,000 inhabitant city to build something completely new because nothing, uh, I went there because there is something great to, to build. There, it's a very good conservatory. They have fantastic uh, professors and they have the National School for Sound Engineer. But there was no composition department, a very tiny one, only instrumental. And I will build, I hope, a sort of new research center, a new master in composition where composers will be able to study electroacoustic, but in a serious way, not only with, but with courses in acoustics, to be ton engineer, a sound engineer too. It means to do some real good recording because the problem in contemporary music using new technology today is that people don't have the really great techniques. So uh, when you listen to pop music, it sounds much better when, uh, than when you go to IRCAM and you, you listen to this tiny, tiny sound. So build a new program, being alone in this small city, being able to do crazy things, having guests, etc. I can't say everything, but for me, it's fun. But can you imagine my environment? I think it was even worse now when I left Columbia University, the direction of my environment were worse than when I left Bang, because at least the Bang, yeah, they knew I composed and they knew that uh, they couldn't say anything because financially I was independent and it was just for one year at the beginning. Now it's crazy, people. What? Columbia University to, to dead small. But 
as long as you have the enthusiasm, it's important. Exactly like Stravinsky's trying serial music. People said that to you? They were like, I can't believe you're going from this to this because it seems like such a downgrade. Of course. Like this big prestigious thing and then you're starting and then all of a sudden you're going to this place that nobody's ever heard of. You, you can't imagine how Columbia University or Harvard University, when you're a professor there, how is it received, particularly in Europe? Wow, you're a professor there. And much more than in America, because in America, you know that those programs of composition are what they are. And they are, you, you, you went for there and Harvard, okay. But in Europe, we don't see the composition program. We see the, the university, how rich, how they are very rich, they are so many number price and uh, you were with all those number prices and you go which city and yeah. and that small is very tiny you have a lot of things to it's a wonderful way to be a little bit isolated i know many people who say that you have wonderful instrumental composition it's a very rich city um conservatory with very elitist very and we will build something wonderful in this in this thing and it's in the center it means you are very very quickly to berlin or to Cologne, so many composers can be interested to come to compose, to study yeah. there and to be in Germany. Uh, we will build something great, but the reaction of normal people is, ah, he was professor at Columbia University. Ah, he's pro- uh, where else? Of course. People mm. think like that, but I don't care. What did you, I gotta ask, what, what, what did you think of the States when you were there? Yeah. Uh, honest opinion. First, and I and think I'm, the state is a huge continent. So there are more diversity in the state than in Europe, huh? it's very important. To, uh, there are more uh, compositionally, there are more difference between color art and Colombia than between Colombia and Hans Eisler. Uh, but sociologically, I took two, two notes so that I know. There are two, two problems, I think, today in, in America. The first one is, is, I love from the Americans the enthusiasm. It's an important word for me. And this is something we don't have so much in, in Europe. You know, this sort of people who are real crazy, these undergraduates who don't know Schubert, I had students who didn't know who was Schubert and they wanted to be composers. I think it's crazy. In Europe, it's not possible to, you have the weight of the history and not only the history, the, the educational system is sad. You are always a bad student, particularly in France, but you are under pressure. In America, you can do what you want. You, you have this sugar education and you are independent and, and it makes wonderful results. And those are problem of that thing. It, However, you can have Steve Jobs in America. You can't have Steve Jobs in Europe. You can have Cage and Steve Reich in America. You can't have. It means, you know, the contemporary music, I will say that in a one word. It's without Cage, the European contemporary music would have stayed this sort of combinatory music of notes, thinking they are very intelligent because they find a new way of combine music. Yeah. The craziness came, craziness came from America. That I'm, uh, uh open his things because of, of America. But I will, I will continue. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. One thing which makes a difference between uh, America and Europe is America is one of the less ideologized country in the way that, of course, you have a strong ideology, a strong economic ideology, but people don't want to be ideologized. You have independent people, you have people doing the thing, but together as a sort of community, you don't want to fight for an idea. You don't want to so much like in Europe or in Asia or in, uh, you, you think perhaps I am free. I respect the difference. So everyone does his things, but you don't have so much this sort of, yeah, we have a common thing to do together. And this is 
an advantage for many things. For sometimes I go back to Europe and I find people so utopical, not pragmatical, and, and they go on strike in France because they don't want to work so much. Yeah, okay, but we have to work. You know, this sort of thing. But in art, in terms of art, there is an impact, which is the start of, in Europe, the composers are ideologized. It means they believe in something very strong, in a sort of aesthetic thing. And one uh, aspect of that... But you're talking about... I, I just have to yeah. stop for a second. Yeah. You're, you're, you're talking about the music scene and not politics in general, right? Because I can kind of understand that type of thinking from the music scene that people don't want to be put in a box and have a type of specific ideology. But the actual political, and I mean like down to like how governance works and everything like that, yeah. it's crazy ideological. People are really pitted no, against one another. Well, uh, You're talking I, about music right no, now, right? No, everywhere. It means I was amazed how my colleagues at Columbia... You know, do their career. In Europe, uh, academic guy is much more political. He's first an intellectual. He, he fights. Uh, the, the way uh, in the newspapers or in the news in Europe, you discuss the, the headlines are not about this woman who was raped in Maryland and you repeat that in, in loops or this guy who was, uh, but it's about changing the society. It's about we go on strike. We, we fight something. We discuss about Education, we discuss about advertising. You have a little bit of discussion with that, but it's very, very superficial. You have PBS, you have, of course, some radios, you have in New York Times some papers. But when you go back to Europe, what amazed me is that what I, I missed in, in America were real discussion with even my colleagues at, at Columbia, or, uh, you know, inviting friends and having strong discussion. You go back to Europe, I speak with my brother-in-law, who is just a, uh, an engineer, etc. Not everybody goes to theater, but they go to film. They read much more. They, they, they have this strong education because of the public school. They believe in something and they, they, discuss, they love disc discussing. And you meet people in the street and they love discussing about general aspects of the society. This is what I call ideology. It means this sort of feeling yourself a political person fighting having an opinion and in america you have this sort of everyone for um, okay and i will go sometimes of course i have some there are demonstrations but this sort of strong that happens because people are afraid to offend one another yeah but that doesn't mean that they don't have strong political opinions and they don't associate yourself with strong political opinions yeah, but and and when they're amongst people who they know are of the same ideology then they go off and of course, they're always agreeing with one another. It's never really a fight, but it's it's still very it's still very at, very strong at, there. At the beginning, I thought that, but a scene stimulates itself, and after a certain moment, you know, because you you don't want to offend your neighbor, and you hi, everything is great, and of course, do that, and every music is great, and every discussion is great. Yourself, after that. Starts. Of course, you have some opinions about uh, uh, animals, and you go to to demonstrate. But it's much less strong than that. I, I was disappointed by my colleagues in a university. You know, academics. They are just doing their thing. They even don't. They don't have time to read to go to theater. There are almost no theater, interesting theater in uh, in uh, in New York. We are in New York, and and we have. Uh, thousand uh, people uh, nationalities in in new york but people are not really interested into real music from other cultures they, they like that as an ethical way but they are not in, in these sort of discussions you go back to 
to Europe and you really, every time I sit with normal people working in a business company and we have people that I don't know so much and they have opinions, they discuss, they, they, perhaps they are, but you are on table, you have friends and you discuss. Uh, there is automatically consequences in art, which is this sort of stimulation, as I, I tell you. You have great artists in America, but they are not stimulated because you have this sort of stimulation through the bottom. You have these bad critics in the uh, newspapers, always, oh, modernist, postmodern, you know, this sort of thing. And you take always the society, the newspapers, the people who speak, even the academics, you have the people uh, feeling they are in a way populists because they always speak in a low level so that you don't offend anybody. Where in Europe, you try to be elitist, perhaps snobistic sometimes, but you have to go always deeper. And one, it's an anecdotal, but one aspect that I found frightening in America is that, of course, you don't have more stupid people in America than in Europe. You have the same amount of stupid people. Of course, you have exactly the same amount of arrogant people in America and in Europe. But in America, the bright people stay shy. And when you are more stupid you are, more loud you are. You, you, you have no scruple to be loud. Where in Europe, the arrogant people are the, the bright people. They are too snob, they are too arrogant. They, you know, the French people are very arrogant, uh, quoting Bourdieu, etc. But you know at least that the reference is if you are stupid, stupid or not, you, you, you stay there because you, you are not in the, on the scene. You are not, you are not saying, you understand what, what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that in art is important. You, you come back here and I heard in one of your interviews, you, you were discussing about uh, the audience and I have constantly people, you know, normal people who want to understand here uh, new music and they come with me to concerts and they will come with me to Mertz music and, and they want to know more and it's stimulating and you had all those undergraduates in Colombia first they have a very bad culture because what you study in Europe in high school you study that in these big Ivy Leagues in uh, so you start to go to theater to read things when you are and it's consumption it's or just, cultural cultural education yes cultural, it's, it's, it's not it's it's not good but, yeah, yeah, and, yeah and and you take that just like that and you know that you will study law later and you will that it's not just a consumption yeah, it's not, just I, don't, to, I don't need this is what they yeah, say and yeah. here there is this need there is this strong need by people to f sometimes it's utopical it means people take more time uh, even normal workers to be civilized and then to be uh, efficient and the economy is not efficient in Europe but you have not everybody but you have enough people and enough network of stimulations you know through the TV through the uh, newspaper always to be stimulated in this sort of uh, the human being is something about the, not the, to to be fed every day but to be fed brainy uh, intellectually every yeah. day. So that is uh, the first aspect and the second aspect, which is related, of course. I think America was not always like that. I think it started with uh, Reagan, and but this is the sort of economy of survival. It's very difficult to survive. It's only a, a country where only rich can have good educations. Uh, social security even very rich people if they are sick so you know when you are sick suddenly it costs so much if you have a cancer or something like that it costs so much that you live in this sort of economy of survival once again the advantages is that when you're crazy in a cowboy you are a real crazy guy because 
you decide to survive and you decide to not care about that sociology. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But the sociology is pressuring a lot. And automatically, you have those great artists when as long as they are students, but suddenly they find something and they have to survive and they have a child. And so they continue what they do. You know, Steve Reich was such a great composer when he was young, but he has to sell himself or all those visual artists who sell themselves and, and people who accept compromise, ideological, political compromise. And okay. And they are afraid to lose their job. It comes now to Europe, of course, with the economic situation, but this economic of survival makes, uh, the real postmodernity. And I think, you know, the word postmodernity is very interesting. It was made by Lyotard. It was the idea of cage. It means putting in question every aspect of the modernity. It was a great program. This is what I try to do in music. And it, uh, it was a great program. Why an orchestra? Why an R notation? And after that, people mixed that with, okay, I don't think anymore everything. I just don't ask me any question. I just put everything together. And what I call, uh, Lyotard wrote an article 20 years later saying what people call postmodernity is not at all what I call postmodernity. What I call postmodernity was rewriting modernity. What we call today deconstruction. What people call postmodernity is sort of nothing. Actually, they are strongly ideologized. You know, John Adams is not at all modern. He writes for orchestra and uh, the most modern in the sense of Western modern music you can imagine. But, you accept and you are cool and you accept everything, a little bit of fusion with uh, Golijov, uh, everything. of, And I think it's related with this sort of uh, economy of survival where it's so difficult today to think together. So this is one frightening of us. Uh, on the other hand, once again, I made so great. It helped me so much to be independent to to because in Europe I discovered I was still and I am still a small bourgeois thinking I was a modern and suddenly you meet people like yeah you know Steve Lehman Alex Minshek uh, all those artists that we had uh, and I forget many many great names and they do their thing how long we will see but they do their thing and people and I admire the well, American composers. What do you mean? How long we'll we'll see? Like, do you think are you saying that eventually that kind of environment and pressure can? Yeah, that suddenly they find a sort of title. Something. They put themselves in a sort of caricature. Uh -huh. They find themselves. They put themselves in a sort of caricature. I do. Uh, I mean, both spectral of those, jazz yeah, yeah. Or, or jazz, spectral jazz, or something, like that, and they just continue. They, they never reinvent themselves yeah. because of the ideology, because of the, the economic situation, because they have to survive, and because, like Steve Reich, like uh, like uh, all the visual artists also in Europe, like uh, uh, they, they find something and they sell. You think you think that's where the creativity dies for yeah. uh, Americans? Is that eventually they have to find something more financially stable? Yeah, and the only way to do that in that environment without becoming a full-time professor and actually oh. being a composer is to package yourself, stay consistent to that package, yeah, and just it, sell it. it. You have to become, when, when a, you you have to become a reliable brand, yeah, and a reliable brand yeah. has to be reliable, consistent. Yeah, yeah. yeah. it's not an American phenomenon. We want to hear something that sounds yeah. like this. That guy always produces something that sounds that way. Let's commission him. Yeah. And he better give me something that sounds exactly. like the way I want it to Once sound. Once again, it's not at all an American uh, phenomenon. And we go back to our first discussion. It means in Europe, it happens exactly the same through the festival music, through the sort of production. Uh, so exactly the same, the sort of 
fetishization of yourself. It goes very quickly and 90% of the people live under many pressure. What makes America even harder is that in Europe, it's a question of festivals, of production, of being a sort of caricature of yourself in terms of new music. In America, in addition, you have this survival. And make that different. And when you say being a professor at your university, unfortunately, I'm not sure then I, I give you one example so about something that I said. In America, uh, being a professor at a university, unfortunately, doesn't help you to be independent. Even if financially you are independent, but it's very, you have to be yourself. And when you go to an institution, you don't have the scene which stimulates so much. Like when here, at least you have enough people, not everybody, you have very uh, many scenes who are unstimulating, but you have enough people who help you to, if you want to renew yourself, you have enough people to help you, daily people, you know, who, who are interested to be curious, uh, who are curious enough. And that I find uh, important, yeah. That's great. Well, I think yeah. th I, I think that's a good place to end it. But I, there, oh God, there was, one, there was one thing you said about this, Americans are not ideological. I really think they're extremely ideological. I think that's reflected in the media. I think that's reflected in how people vote. And it's almost a poisonous rhetoric. I think what you're talking about is people's willingness to openly engage and be yeah. open-minded in politics within different yeah. ideologies. Look, of course, there is an ideology, a strong ideology. But look at the political parties in America. You have two are in the center you don't have uh, uh, in europe oh you yeah have yeah okay yes system. yes there's no so, okay, okay uh, yeah that, exactly that, that, that makes is sense. people are not uh, uh, this ideology you have a big group here who say i am extreme links or extreme right and, and there was one last aspect sorry about the uh, difference between america and uh, uh, europe in terms of compositions results from that when you find yourself because you have don't had this sort of general ideological stimulation you find yourself very quickly. So, for example, you have composers who are very skilled, doing this great orchestral music, people who are thinking. And in America, and it was a uh, great aspect of uh, Colombia, I think, they don't mix so much. I was amazed that it's very rare in America, they are, but it's more rare than in Europe, to find a composer who is both very skilled and very experimental and very cultivated. Musically cultivated, he knows the history and he's this sort of perhaps European aspect of Messian uh, being a wonderful musician, a wonderful orchestrator and experimental or Lachanman, a wonderful pianist. Etc. In America, either you have those skilled young people who have no aesthetical culture, no, no intellectual culture, or you have these great aesthetical people, but they are very bad what goes with writing. Or people stay in their small scene, bubbles, and once again, it's, they don't confront themselves. They are not stimulated to get what they di didn't have. Yeah. In general, I would agree with that. That's true. But I have to, I have to say right now, you, you're saying that to me, and I'm thinking of a lot of people that fit into that. Yeah. But what pops also into my mind are the few handful of people that I know in the States that work really hard not to make that yeah. happen. And I'm thinking, uh, like, oh, sure. Yeah, I yeah, some. yeah. And, and, it, and, it's, and it's amazing how they're able to fluidly f go between yeah. scenes. Yeah. And I mean, it's also getting gigs like this downtown like music scene needs a conductor. And then the next weekend, the person will be conducting yeah, for what I Inc. That's also reflected in the music. 
and they're doing great no, but things. But I speak as, yeah. a, as a composer and I speak as a professor. When I teach to my young kids in Germany, the common knowledge is they have read a little bit of Adorno, they know very well the history of music, and they're in a conservatory and they learn to play piano and yeah. say kind of most Americans don't I didn't have that when I was exactly yeah, yeah. it's 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 separate either you are in a you are a philosopher etc and it's very important for a composer to have to have an aesthetical culture and to have a musical culture and to be uh, crazy and it's not because American <laughs> it's just that the scene doesn't allow that it's just that the stimulation is not there that here when you have all the time When you study at Paris Conservatory and you have those people like Griset who uh, had all their prizes, their diploma in harmony, plus they were like that, you have this pressure and who think, who could quote, you know, uh, Egyptian mythology and so you have this pressure. This is your model. Of course, in America, when your model is uh, John Adams or things like that, you, you choose your camp, but, or, or being cool. And you need to have this sort of great artist. Of course, you have, uh, exception, you have people like uh, Charles Rosen. He was, uh, great intellectual yeah. and a great musician. You have people like that. But uh, it has to be the norm of the, the model of every person. And I would have loved that every professor in every university and conservatory in America would have had this sort of uh, yeah. basics. You have many stupid people in Europe. You have many great, great, great people in America. But the model is not enough present for me. I think that's a good place to end it. Thank you Thank for you. doing this. Yeah. Thank you very much.